Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode 126. Our Sunday worship service for July 28th, 2019 is Relationships. It is the fourth in our series, Branching In. The people in your life are there to learn from you and to teach you. So our scripture today... I can actually point to it like Vanna White. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. 1 John 4.21. The one who loves God should love his brother also. Maybe you've heard that one, but if you haven't heard that one in particular, you've heard one of dozens of other parts of Scripture that say basically the same thing. It's true that, that lots of people can take the Bible because the Bible is a big book. It's not even a book, really. It's a library. There's a lot of books in there. Anybody can take bits and pieces out of context and say just about anything they want to say. But that statement, we ought to be nice to each other. That statement that that we should love each other. That statement that you should be okay with your tribe. That you should go out and make friends. That we should take care of each other. That statement is everywhere. Over and over and over and over again. It is probably the most difficult part of scripture to take out of context. Because just open a page and point to something. And it's probably there. Right under your finger. So much so that. It's not an unnatural question to go, well, why are we even talking about it then? I know that we're supposed to be nice to each other. I got that in Sunday school. Of course we're supposed to be nice to each other. Why are we having this conversation? I get it. And yet, there are a lot of people who are really chewing on that idea. Wait a minute, I'm supposed to be, wait, nice to people? We're supposed to love each other? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm not in love with you. It's not you, it's me. It's other people. It's, it's, oh, I wait, can I love people that just kind of look like me? Is that what it says? There are so many nuances, and in fact, so many people that hold up the Bible, or let's get broader, who, who have a spiritual idea in general and use it to justify all kinds of hate and fear and doubt and separation and prejudice and enough. So you want to know why we're talking about it? That's part of it, because I'm over it. But it's not just that. There's something else going on there, too. And here's the deal. If you want to be happy, if you want a life that works, this is something to figure out. Learn how to be nice. Learn how to make friends. Learn how to love and be loved. And other things tend to work out. Yeah, I know people can misquote and take out of context because it's not just what we read in the book. It's how we feel in our hearts. I've noticed that I begin a lot of my services with a little review. So here we go. Here is your moment of review brought to you by donuts. It's not what you read necessarily but rather your worldview, your big idea, your sense of ultimate concern, your concept of God, your big idea filters how you read everything, right? So if I've got a big idea about God who's somewhere far away, if there's a barrier between me and God, I am by definition going to make barriers between me and God's children. If God ain't looking, if the boss is on vacation, if no one is here to fix the projector... I'm going to start also not just making barriers between me and the big deal. I'm going to make barriers between me and other people. And and there's only certain people that get in and everybody else is out there. And my happiness is here and my job is over here and that kind of thing. 
And if I have a barrier between me and God, it's going to filter into a whole bunch of little compartments in my life, so much so that me and my happiness are so far apart that I don't even know where to begin. Ask yourself, how many barriers do you have in your life? How many walls between you and what you want, between you and the kind of person you want to be, between you and other people? If you've got them, somewhere in there, maybe there's an idea that there's an absentee landlord calling the shots. But if we begin to have an idea of ultimate concern, of bigness, of God, of faith, of truth, I don't even care what you call it. I'm not interested in brand recognition. Whatever it is, find something in your life that tears down the walls and you'll be a better person. Now that seems like a big deal, but I'm telling you that the, the path begins when you just learn how to be a friend. Tear down a wall and the other ones will come tumbling down in due course. But you know that. Moment of review over. You know that because biologically you get that we're in an environment with other people. You know that because behaviorally you understand that. On a DNA basis you know that something like racism is just a dumb idea because we've got way too much in common on a DNA level or whatever. It doesn't make sense to judge people based on that. It doesn't make sense to put up walls. You get it on a, on a sociological level that people all over the world in different times, in different cultures, in different situations tell the same stories and deal with the same problems. It's silly to judge anybody based on anything outside of that. It's just a silly thing and we got too many big things to do to put up that kind of a wall. There are people in this room who have been or are currently or will go through the same stuff you have been or are currently or will go through. We really are all in this together. And the sooner we get that, the sooner life gets easier. Yes, of course, you could figure out all kinds of answers and all kinds of problems by yourself. But when you go to school and you're in a room full of people who are all asking the same question, learning happens, ideally. I don't know where you went to school. But ideally, if we're all asking the same kind of questions and we open ourselves up to answers, something magic happens. So that's part of it. The idea that we're all in this together is biological, behavioral, sociological, psychological, all of it. Yeah, I get it. But that's not even the big part. The big part is this. If there is only God, if we are surrounded by this, if the kingdom of heaven is in our midst, if there's this bigness that we want to be a part of, what does that mean about you and me and everybody else? If our Father is the truth, let me say it like this. You can't say you love God and walk around hating his kids. That's it. You can't. It doesn't work that way. You cannot say that you love God and walk around hating God's children. But let's put that into positive perspective. You want to know how to love God because that seems like a big deal. I don't know where to start. What church do I go to? How much does it cost? What book? You want to learn how to love God, figure out how to love God's children. You want to know how to serve God? I know I'm supposed to do that. I don't know how that works. You want to learn how to serve God, serve God's children. Find ways. It's one of the reasons that service is a big deal for us. We want to be the kind of people that just say, here. Because it will change you. Now I know that flies in the face of the rugged individual, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, everybody's in this alone kind of thing, but you know what? I'm over it. Because the test of an ethical system is this. Do you believe that you're the only person on the face of the earth? How many times has someone been blocking the entire aisle at Publix? 
because they think they're the only person on the planet talking on their cell phone in traffic. It ranges from the small infractions to big, giant ethical problems. And at the core of all of it is the idea that you're alone. I'm over it. No one is alone. We've all felt that way sometimes, and I get it. But it is not the truth. Pain comes when we believe in a lie. And the truth is that no one's alone. The truth is we're here to get over that idea in every way. Understanding that you're part of a tribe is the beginning of your growth, the beginning of your healing. If you want to be happy, learn how to love and be loved. If you want to be spiritual, learn how to love and be loved. If you want a life that works, here's the theme. If you want a life that works, go out and make friends. It's not any more complicated than that. If you want a life that works, go out and make friends. Now, I know there are people who say, yeah, yeah, but you know... I've never had a friend in my life that did me any good. My circle of friends, have you seen these palookas? People use words like palookas in the 21st century. Have you seen these people? Yeah, see? Have you seen these people? The friends I have just drag me down. They keep me in my cycle of uh, dysfunction and addiction. They always, they, they keep me from doing anything. All we ever do is watch TV or whatever it is. My friends keep me down. I've heard people say that. Well, find better friends. <laughs> I mean, this isn't complicated. But on a more fundamental level. Yes, of course, be the kind of person who, when they choose friends, find people who make you better. When you fall in love with somebody, ask yourself, do they make me better? Am I making them better? This is a valid question. That's something, but it ain't everything. Because here's the thing. If you're the kind of person that blames, oh, it's all those other people, they keep me down. It's, it's those people, it's that church I went to, it's that thing I was in, it's that club, it's my friends, it's the, it's, you know, the Mercury's in Gatorade or whatever they say, whatever it is. You like that one? It's something out there. If you're the kind of person that finds blame in other things, oh, they didn't understand me there, so I left. Okay, I get it. But you know what? What I have noticed is everyone who's got a story about how somebody didn't get me, so I left, has got more than one story about somebody didn't get me, so I left. Because the blame idea will follow you wherever you are. And when someone says something like that to me, I want to go, you know, it seems to me there is a common denominator in all these groups of people who didn't get you, so you left. It's you. Now, I don't want anybody to feel bad. I'm not here to blame. I'm not here to kick somebody when they feel down. But I do want you to know that if you are the common denominator in all of these groups, maybe it's time to own that. Maybe it's time to choose a situation deliberately instead of accidentally. Sometimes people find friends on an accidental basis. They just they happen to be friends with the people that they work with. They happen to be friends with people who are in church with them. They happen to be friends with people who are in the same AA group or Lions Club or they're all on the run from the law together, whatever it was. And that's fine. That's something. But it's not everything. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes the friends you make at work, you don't know how to deal with them when they're outside of work. You ever run into somebody from work at the grocery store and you don't even want to go down that aisle because that, you're a work friend and you're not supposed to be in the rest of my life? There's that idea that, that maybe it's more than that we happen to be in the same room together. I will say that the more intense the experience, the greater the quality of friendship tends to be. If you're in the battlefield together, if you're in the trenches together, if you're serving together in one way or the other, the friendship tends to have more fertile soil. Once again, it's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why we do a lot of service projects around here. Because I'll tell you what, if I'm standing next to you and we're putting in two by fours for Habitat for Humanity, we got something. 
And we're trying to build tribe here, and that's one of the many ways that we do it, one of the many ways that it's important to us, and that's something. So be the kind of person, if you're writing this down, if you're playing at home, be the kind of person who cultivates intense experiences because they will tend to build bigger friendships. They will tend to pull more out of you. Be that kind of a person. That's something, but it isn't everything because when you think about it, when you're a little kid, you were put into the goofiest situations with people and you can become best friends, not because you served on the battlefield with someone at eight, I hope, but because you happen to be at the same family reunion. You happen to be on the same swing set together, and yet there are people that you meet like that that you can become friends with for the whole rest of your life. How's that work? Hmm. It's not just environmental, because you're not just environmental. When a kid makes friends, it is in the basis of I am all in. When a child makes friends, it's here's all of me and here's my hopes and dreams and I'm going to be a fireman and what do you want to be and let's do this together and let's be friends forever. Friendship is not determined by environment. It's determined by how far you are willing to go, what you are willing to ask for and what you are willing to contribute. And when the walls come down, you become a better friend. That's how this works. You know our, our credo around here, as close as we get to any kind of complicated theology, is on all the signs, God is good, you are good, go do good. That's it, really. God is good, you're good, go do good. If you know that, you know what you need to know. But let's think about that for a minute. Because on the God level, on the sense of ultimate concern, the bigness of the whole thing, there is no accidents in God. There is just no room. God is deliberate. Well, God is good. You're good. Well, what does that say about you? If there's no accidents in God, one of the things that that means is that you are here for a reason. There is a deliberateness, if that's even a word, about you. Go do good. In other words, go be deliberate. Life changes when you say, God happens on purpose, therefore I am here for a reason, therefore I'm going to be purposeful about my life. Decide to own it. Decide to get in the driver's seat for a minute. Just see how it feels. Decide to be deliberate about something. Be where you are for a reason. So what I'm trying to say with all of that is if there are no accidents to the universe, it means that the people who are in your life are there for two reasons. Two. They are there to learn from you. And they are there to teach you. Nobody... Nobody, not the guy that passed by you in traffic, not the cashier at the grocery store, not the person that you adore and the person you don't want to be in the room with ever again. Nobody is in your life by accident. Everybody is there for those two reasons, to learn from you and to teach you. And the sooner you get those two reasons and you own it, the sooner you can change the relationship or get out of the relationship. And until you do, you're stuck. That's just how it works. So be the kind of person that looks at the people in your life and says, and says I don't want to just be with you because you're fun. I want to be with you because there's something about you that I can learn. I see you as my teacher. Now, you don't have to get corny about it if you don't want to. You don't have to cue up the Enya CD when you say, I see you as my teacher and burn sage and stuff. But just know it. Feel it. Decide. I see you as my teacher. Watch what it does to your friendships, to your love life. And when you get a little bit of courage, think about that person that you don't want to think about. 
the person you don't want to see, the person where there was a weird business deal or a weird whatever it was, and you don't want to think about that person. Because remember, no accidents means no accidents. What if you saw that person as your teacher? That guy, when he's in the break room at work, you don't even want to go in there. What if he's your teacher? What if? Ooh, I don't want to do that. Well, guess what? That means there's some ego to get out of the way. And it might be that the only thing they're there to teach you is what not to do. But you know what? That's a valuable lesson, isn't it? And until I decide, you are my teacher, I will never learn that lesson and I will keep repeating that cycle. Maybe I'll get done with that person, but I'll deal with that same personality in somebody else. Own it. You are my teacher. And one of two things will happen. Either things will change because you gave them a little bit of credit, a little bit of respect. Maybe nobody else is. Maybe you become friends with that person. I bet everybody in this room has got a story of somebody they weren't crazy about, and now they call them when they're in trouble. That can happen. And also, the other thing can happen, where you finally learn the thing you were here to learn, and you can go, and you don't have to deal with that person anymore. Either way, you win. But you only win by deciding, I am here to learn from you. And you know what? There's something about me that I'm going to teach you. A little bit of self-esteem, a little bit of honoring that God gave you something to do. And if you do that, if you honor that, something amazing happens. This is what friendship is built on. So let me say that differently. If you want a life that works, go out and make friends. Now, I know there are people who say, yeah, but I'm not a people person. I don't like that idea. People just bother me. I just, sooner or later, I just get hung up on the way that they dress or the way that they load the dishwasher. I hate that. Or, or that thing, that song, I just can't handle it. I get hung up on the details, and I just can't go there. I'm not, I don't want to be around other people. Well, guess what? God put you around other people. It's a little bit saying, you know what? I'm not an oxygen person. Tough. There's nothing for it. You're here for this. I don't know what they do in other lives, in other worlds, in other whatever. Don't care. We're here to be with each other. We're here to get along with each other. Go make friends. And I know it's tempting to get hung up on the details, but is that all you are? Do you want to be defined by what you wear? Is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothing? You're more than the details of your life. Maybe we need to see other people that way. It's easy to get hung up on appearances, but we know we're not supposed to. When I was a kid, the family went to Burns Steakhouse. You heard of Burns Steakhouse? If you've lived around here for any amount of time, you've probably heard of it. Maybe you've been there. It's not the kind of place you go every day. It's, it's probably the most expensive and the nicest restaurant in the Tampa Bay area. It's been there for well, 50 years or something like that. It's the kind of place where visiting dignitaries and heads of state go. It's written up internationally. It's a world-famous restaurant. So you don't go there every day. You go there when somebody graduates for something, or there's a birthday, or there's some kind of a celebration, or you finally learn the thing you're supposed to learn from a dysfunctional relationship, and you get to move on. Whatever it is, it's a celebration place. It's a very big deal. And I don't even remember what the event was, because I was a little kid, but somebody graduated or had a birthday or something, and a bunch of us went to Burns Steakhouse. And even as a kid, when all I really wanted was a Happy Meal, even as a kid, I got it that this was big, that this was special, and this was important, and everybody was dressed up, and it was an elegant affair, and it was the whole thing. And dinner took hours like it does when you're in a nice place, and dessert took hours like it does when you're in a nice place. And at the end of the meal, we got up, and we wanted to do the thing that you're supposed to do there at Burns Steakhouse. When you go, you're supposed to get a, a tour of the kitchen because this is a world-class situation and every little thing is cared for and thought about it is the most intentional place around I don't know what it's doing in Tampa if I was in Tampa I'd be just trying to get out of Tampa but that's a separate issue 
But you go and you ask for the kitchen tour. It's a big deal. But we had taken a long time to eat, and it was getting late, and people who worked there were already starting to go home. And we went into the kitchen where you're supposed to go. We weren't sneaking in. And the, the, they even have like a little maitre d' kind of person in the kitchen who sets up the tour. And the maitre d' person said, I'm sorry, we can't do it tonight. We, we're, we're understaffed. People are already starting to go home. We're just kind of tearing down and cleaning up and, and all of that. And we were, you know, ready to go. But one of the people in our party said, hey, there's a guy back there. There's a guy. He's mopping the floor. See him? Oh, he could probably give us a tour, right? Now, I was taught to be polite. I'm a Midwesterner at heart. We don't do that. So I kind of, my whole body language got small. But the guy who, at this point, heard us, Hemin and Han, it was an old guy in a white, dirty t-shirt. Everybody else had tuxedos and suits on. He's mopping the floor. And he said, yeah, I've worked here for a while. I can give you a tour. It's OK. And the maitre d' guy said, I, you know, we don't want to do that. And he said, no, it's, I got this. It's OK. So OK, the guy mopping the floor in the dirty t-shirt gave us a tour. And he took us through the kitchen, and we saw where the knives come from and how they're sharpened and why this oven is important, and it's from Europe, and this and that and the other, and the care that goes into every little moment. And we went into the wine cellar. It's a world-famous wine cellar. And the care and the love with which this man was talking about why fine wine is important, I don't know. I'm a little kid. I still don't know anything about that as an adult. But it was so beautiful. Even then, as a child, I got it that this is like being in a museum. This is important. And all of a sudden, it didn't matter what the guy was wearing. We got the tour of the Burn Steakhouse kitchen. And as we got done with our tour, he was talking to us a little bit, and we were thanking him for an inspirational experience. And there were some pictures on the wall of how Burn Steakhouse got started and, and who was there and all of that. You know how it is. And we realized as he was talking that the man who gave us the tour of Burn Steakhouse was Burn. <laughs> It was him, the guy that started the place. Now, I love that story. It really happened just like that. I love that story for a couple of reasons. I love that story because it reminds me not to judge by appearances, but it also reminds me that if you want to be world famous, if you want to be a success, if you want to be good at anything, be the guy who's mopping the floor. Be the last person who leaves. I don't care how famous you want to be. Be that person. Go the extra mile. Contribute. So what are you based on? Your friendships with people. Are they based on what people wear? Because you know what? If you're the kind of person that's going to be irritated by that, you're always going to be irritated by something like that. Isn't it nicer just to get over it? Come on. Some people are friends because they have uh, material things in common. We're, we're from the same place. We're in the same room. That's great. That's something. But it's not everything. Some people's friendships are based on an intellectual compatibility. We both vote the same way. We both like the same songs on the radio. We're both really into non-bread. Whatever it is, we've got this thing in common. That's something better. But it's not everything because at the end of the day, that's still validation of ego. In other words, we're, still, we're just friends because we're cozy in this jacuzzi that is our comfort zone. But I'm here to tell you that growth does not happen inside your comfort zone. <laughs> it's true, and you know it's true. Growth only happens when you step out into the unknown. Growth only happens. Spiritual things only happen. That's where faith lives. That's where God lives. Faith is not what you already are comfortable with. Jesus never told anybody this is going to be painless. But he said you can do it when you're brave. Just like I said last week, maybe our prayer should be less for healing and more for courage. 
So some people are, are friends on a material basis or an intellectual ego basis, but the ones that last, the friendships that are durable, are the ones that are based on something spiritual. Now, I'm not saying you all have to go to the same church together, although that would be nice. I know a good one. <laughs> but what I'm saying instead is be the kind of person where your friendship, your love life, your whatever it is, whatever that relationship is, be the kind of person where it's based on something that's bigger than either of you. You don't even have to agree with what it is. Can a priest and a rabbi be friends even though it sounds like the setup to a joke? Of course they can because they've got something bigger in common even if you argue about it. Have love be bigger than you are. Have art be bigger than you are. Have the basis of your relationship be bigger than you are because it gets you out of the idea that you're the source or the destination and you start working on being a good channel. That's when you become a good friend even if you disagree. Here's the test. Can you be honest? Right before the um, please say I do part when I do a wedding, as part of the vows, I say, can you be honest with this person? Not everybody says that. I do. It's really important. That's what we owe other people, our honesty. Love is not about putting up with dysfunction. Love is the power that says, no, this ain't going to work. That's crazy, that thing you did. We're going to not do that anymore. You ever watch one of those shows like American Idol or, you know, America's Got Talent or America's Got Sauerkraut? I don't know, whatever those shows are called. I, you can tell I don't really watch them because they bother me. Because I know that a big hunk of the entertainment value is laughing at people who aren't very good at it. They get up and sing and everybody laughs because they're not good at singing and all that kind of thing. I, I, I'm not judging anybody else, but that bothers me. I can't do it. And it's not just because people are laughing at somebody. The thing that bothers me is I always end up going, didn't anybody love you enough to tell you not to do this thing? Some people think love is just saying, oh, yeah, go do whatever you want to do. And they take it into a place of dysfunction. They take it into a place of enabling, for example. Love is the power that says, you should not get on television and sing because you've scared the cat. <laughs> but you know what? If that's the passion in your heart, if that's the thing you want to do, OK, let's go get voice lessons. Let's figure this out. Let's make you good at this if this is in your heart to do. That's what love does. Love is the power that is honest. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be honest with the people around you. And that means figure out what makes you tick. What are you excited about? What's the thing that moves you? And stop hiding it. Share it with somebody, even if they don't understand. They're not here to understand. They're here to love you. And figure out what makes somebody tick. Figure out what they're excited about, even if you don't get it. You're not here to get it. You're here to celebrate them. Figure out what makes somebody else tick and celebrate that. In other words, if you want a life that works, go out and be a friend. Because here's the thing. Your friendship, your relationship with other people, your relationship with God, your relationship with life itself, the quality of it is in inverse proportion to how much you're holding back. The quality of your life is in inverse proportion to how much you're holding back. Now, that's complicated. But it's easy when you think about it. How much you hold back makes you bad. <laughs> makes you bad at life. I know people told you that maybe you weren't any good. People told you to be afraid or not to be brave. We've all had that. We've all heard that. We've all had that programming. But we're going to get over it together. Maybe this is a place where you can find a different kind of encouragement. Maybe you've had people in your life where you get to that place where you go, you know what, I can't be friends with you anymore because your crazy is more important to you than my love. It's something that people deal with a lot in the, the pattern of addiction, for example. Your addiction is more important to you than, than our relationship, and so tough love time. 
But it doesn't even have to be a big deal like addiction. It can just be more like your drama is more important to me. Your sickness is more important than your wholeness. It's one of the reasons why Jesus said at the beginning of almost every healing, do you want this? Seems like a crazy question. Here's someone who can't walk, and Jesus goes, well, do you want to walk? Seems like a dumb question. But honestly, what he's really saying in part is, do you want to be defined by your debilitation? Is that more important to you than your wholeness? What are you holding back? Decide right now, if you can, how much you're willing to give to this life, to the people who love you, to your friendships, to your work, to your situation, to whatever it is. Figure out how much you're willing to give because it's worth giving, but also because that is 100% going to determine what you receive. How far are you willing to go with all of this? What's big for you? At the end of the day, there's really only two questions as you figure out your life. There's a lot of different ways to phrase it, and I'm open to that, but I like to say it like this. There's two questions. Where am I going, and who's going to go with me? And if you got the answers to those questions, you're going to be okay. Where am I going, and who's going to go with me? But it's really important to answer them in that order. What's the big thing in my life? And once you figure out the big thing, then you can start to build your tribe around it. Some people answer it the other way around, and they just settle for somebody who's not here for that. They find a person, and then they build a life around that, but that keeps us both down. Find something bigger. Where are you going? Where are you going? You don't have to know everything. You don't have to, have to know the end of the journey. But what's the next step for you? What's big for you? And the more you think about it and the more you feel through that, the more you realize that that's been God calling you the whole time. We love God by loving his children. There is somebody in your world that can inspire you with courage and truth to be just a little bit better than you were before. Can you be that for somebody else? Can you be a mirror for somebody? When they look at you, can they catch just a little glimpse of infinity? Clean the mirror. If you want a life that works, go out and make friends. You want to fall in love, go out and make friends. You want healing in your situation, in your body, in your life, go out and make friends. You want to be prosperous, go out and make friends. If you want to be free from whatever it is, go out and make friends. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.